Doug Tyrrell, History and Comment is available on iTunes. Hello, friends. I'm Doug Tyrrell. This is History and Comment for Monday, the 30th day of January, 2023. Here in the lower Midwest, we're approaching the muddy season. Warmer, wet, and muddy. The idea of a bell chime is invented in 1487. A chime is a set of bells designed for a simple melody and played by a keyboard or mechanical device. If it has more than 22 bells, it's known as a carillon. A carillon with the most bells is in Cobb, Ireland and has 49. Recall that the piano has 88 keys, so at 49 notes they can play a wide variety of music. The design of a bell in terms of shape and composition is quite an art. The shape is designed for resonance at different frequencies, more like a chord than a single note. And the alloy is a special mixture of copper and tint called bell bronze or bell metal. The history of the English monarchy and the trials and skirmishes that plagued England, Scotland, and to a lesser degree Ireland in the 17th century, and the whole idea of European royalty, was not lost on the founders of this country in the mid to late 18th century. They wanted none of it and debated long and hard at the way to prevent those pitfalls. In the 1640s, the Scottish and English parliaments are having a civil war, and the monarch, Charles I, is in the middle and partly the cause. In 1647, after months of negotiation, the Scottish group sell the captured king to the English parliament for 100 pounds sterling. Charles will be held in London and tried for treason. On this day, in 1649, he will be executed, ending the English monarchy until his son takes the English throne in 1660. The first assassination attempt on a U.S. president occurs on this day in 1835 when a lone gunman attacks President Andrew Jackson. Richard Lawrence was about 34 years old at the time and had been considered a reserved but industrious citizen of Washington, D.C. He was a house painter by trade and it's believed his mental state was clearly delusional, was caused by exposure to heavy metals in common paint of the day. He thought he was an English baron who was owed a great sum by the U.S. and was prevented payment because of Jackson's resistance to a national bank. The whole affair is related to the idea of mad as a hatter, an old expression referring to the tradesmen who made hats, a process that exposed them to high levels of mercury and resulting madness. A public service to folks living in houses built before 1970, if the paint on the window frames or exteriors is cracking, do not waste your money on a lead paint test kit. They contain lead. If your house was built in the 1950s or before, you do not have to go looking for cracking paint. The lead is there. Do not let your kids chew on the woodwork. The first ironclad warship in the United States, the USS Monitor, is launched in 1862. This was during the Civil War and the Confederates were close behind. The Monitor will battle the hastily built CSS Virginia in six weeks. The Virginia was the Confederate ironclad built from the hull of the USS Merrimack. The Merrimack had been caught in Norfolk, Virginia Harbor when the U.S. withdrew and burned to the waterline. She was raised by the Confederates and rebuilt. Japanese car maker Mazda is founded in 1920 in the city of Hiroshima. First, they produced bottle corks. They nearly failed and moved to machine tools. About 1931, they introduced the power truck version of the rickshaw, a three-wheeled motorcycle with a cargo bed. 
Stage and television comedian Dick Martin was born in 1922. Martin was best known as part of the comic duo that hosted Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In from 1968 until 1972. Hitler is beginning to reveal things to come in 1939 during his speech to the German parliament predicting the end of the Jewish race if a world war were to occur. Future Vice President Dick Cheney is 82 today. He was White House Chief of Staff in the Ford Administration, member of the House of Representatives from 1979 to 1989, then Secretary of Defense before Vice President. The Franklin Dime is first issued on this day in 1946 on what would have been the former president's 63rd birthday. It remains the current design. The only change was in 1965 when the silver coin was replaced with a cheap base metal. This was done for all coins at different times as the price of the high purity metal was more than the face value of the coin. The one cent piece was the last to be issued in 95% copper in 1981. A copper penny weighed 3.11 grams each. At today's copper prices of $4.20 per pound, a copper penny is worth 2.88 cents each. The silver value of a 1964 dime is $1.71 and $2 to collectors. Older folks knew the sound of a silver coin, and they would in later years collect them. It is very rare today to find one in circulation. On my recent road trip, I spent most of the morning at the Truman Library in Independence, Missouri. There were a few take-home points. Truman had been a senator from Missouri and had only been vice president 82 days when Roosevelt dies unexpectedly. The two had only met in private twice since taking office. The media was not kind to Truman. One editorial said, Roosevelt had been a great architect. Maybe Truman can be a good carpenter. Since the museum was a place to paint him in the best light possible, one exhibit intrigued me. They went to great lengths to portray Truman as an honest person who had to compromise to get things done. The fact seems to be his political power and election as a senator was driven by how he could help the Kansas City political machine ran by Thomas Pendergast. Pendergast was without a doubt corrupt in every sense of the word, and held that power by handouts to the poor and migrant classes of the city. The museum did not use the term, but some in the day called Truman the senator from Pendergast. Lead singer and drummer for the group Genesis, Phil Collins, is 72 today. Martin Luther King's house is bombed in retaliation for the Montgomery bus boycott in 1956. Winston Churchill was the last of the World War II heads of state when he passed in 1965. His state funeral was held on this day, and it was the largest in the world at the time. If you were near Apple Records in London on this day in 1969, you could have listened to the last public performance by the Beatles. It was an impromptu affair and was broken up by the police. The rumor that the police were singing, Don't Stand Too Close to Me, was totally false. This will be the last public performance by the Fab Four. Like most groups, creative struggles doomed to them. British troops open fire on marchers, unarmed citizens, civil rights activists, or whatever you want to call them in 1972. The fact is, this was in Derry, Northern Ireland, and these were British subjects. But this was during the period known as the Troubles, and tension on all sides was high. In total, 14 people will die from the affair. A year or so ago, I spoke to a U.S. citizen living in Northern Ireland, 
and they remarked how strained the relations were there still. They made a point that distrust was the norm there, where here in America we have a default setting to trust people. This paired with a video I saw the other day, a 20-something European lady was reviewing her six-month stay here in the States. She remarked how people here tend to make eye contact and smile at strangers, a practice that she claimed is missing in Europe. There's much more to American exceptionalism than most of us realize. Erno Rubik applies for a patent for his Magic Cube in 1975. The Virginia Elementary School, where a teacher was shot by a student recently, reopened with metal detectors and two resource officers. If the cost alone does not concern you, the fact that the norm for a school to be fortified and require armed police should raise all kinds of questions. Folks, there's no amount of security that guarantees safety, especially if individual liberty is considered as a factor. Schools are a high-value target because they are emotional, for one, and two, we're seeing an increase in violence committed or attempted by younger and younger children. I question if an elementary student has the mental capacity to completely process shooting a teacher. I think we could further make the point it's unrealistic to consider life in prison for such a person, if for no other reason than the cost to the public. We have a moral crisis that needs a moral answer. Yet we have spent the past 60 years banning prayer or any mention of religion in public schools. Can a teacher even utter the phrase, Thou shalt not kill, without fear of reprisal? We have diminished the value of human life with the idea that you're a product of random chance, while at the same time championing the idea that killing any baby in utero is a protected right. Then the level of violence suggested to all members of the population via all forms of electronic media is staggering. We do not hear much discussion today, but there were comments after the Columbine, Colorado shooting of how amazing it was the two teenagers could be so lethal without breaking down. There was a time when armies had to work to get that kind of resolve and accuracy. We can point to all kinds of security measures, and none will be completely workable if a person wants to do evil and is willing to die for it. The president, on cue from a recent shooting in California, calls for more bans on more weapons. It's not the weapons, folks. Those will sit there all day and do nothing. It is the evil intent pulling the trigger. Prisons are some of the most controlled spaces in the United States, yet contraband weapons are a constant battle and assaults are frequent. In 2019, 143 inmates were killed in U.S. prisons. It's a moral issue, folks. That's History and Comment for the 30th day of January 2023. I'm Doug Terrell. Now go do something worth remembering.